jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of Darkness! Welcome to a new thing. Well, for a month. That's a good intro, right? Anyway. Horror adjacent uh, week. Month. Whatever. Gay Lords of Darkness operates outside of your heteronormative expectations of what constitutes time. And logic, reason. Logic, physics. uh, Laws of causality. This is what I'm saying. Uh, So here we are going to talk about horror adjacent horror uh, regular movies. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow, that's why it's a whole new us us. This is right. Gay Lords of Darkness present horror, not horror adjacent, non adjacent week, month, month, week. Yeah, I don't even know if I feel comfortable with adjacent. Like I, when I pitched this idea to Anthony. We all know how you feel about adjacent states. That's right. No adjacent. No adjacent. Well, to be fair, okay. Let, all right. Okay. Let's go there. You want to go there? Let's go there. Yeah. Let's well, let's open up the puzzle box. Let's open up the puzzle box. All I have to do is pick up the puzzle cube and it assembles itself. And <laughs> yeah, then, the lasers go. Yeah, and then Butterball shows up, and I'm like, <laughs> cool uh-huh. shades, Helena Marcus. <laughs> They both shop at the Sunglass Hut. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, the reason why I am so firm on saying no adjacents in the chopping block is because one Dame Anthony Hudson... Thank you. <laughs> uh, ...plays fast and loose with genre, genre boundaries. <laughs> and so I feel that in our horror movie trivia game if we stick to horror movies because when anthony says it's horror adjacent it could be like i don't know the music man and you'd be like well there's that one point in it when somebody's wearing a red shirt and red is, red is like blood like you the know. music man i don't know why the that Wells Fargo wagon is it coming down the street yeah, you. I just feel <laughs> to that... To kill us! <laughs> given how I've heard some of your reasoning as to why you want to show a movie for your film program, Queer Horror, and you're like, see, it qualifies as queer horror, and I'm like... Because okay. I like it. A gay yeah. person likes it. It's <laughs> yeah. gay. Yes, and so when I have to answer questions, I want those boundaries to be a little more narrow. Well, yeah, that makes sense, especially when, when one is placed in the frantic fury of the chopping block and your brain is just reaching for any possible answer exactly. to narrow in the, the landscape from which one chooses the answer. So it's mostly just to benefit me and increase my chances of surviving the heads they's blade. This is uh, an act of trivia gerrymandering, essentially. <laughs> yes, 
Absolutely. I want to win. <laughs> I want to win. So anyway, when I pitched this, uh, whatever you want to call this series, maybe, I don't know. I not said, not adjacent. <laughs> not not adjacent. Uh, I said I called them non-horror horror movies. Movies that are not horror, but sure do feel like horror. Does that mean they're adjacent? I don't know. So for the record, you're not against adjacents in in genre. You're against adjacents on the block. That Yes, absolutely. I would even, I am willing to cover even <clears throat> outside of the confines of a limited series. I would talk about adjacents on this show. Sure. It's the chopping block for me. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Phew. So the lady doth not protest adjacent. No, I don't. I don't discriminate in that way. No, there are Which other is... ways I discriminate, but not that way. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why the lady then doth say, <laughs> "I speak Shakespeare." She saith, "Well, you hey. are a dame." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I won an Oscar for four minutes of screen time. <laughs> So she said, hey, adjacent's welcome this month. Yeah. Non-horror horror. Right? Because I've been itching to watch some of these movies and itching for other reasons, but mostly to watch some of these movies. <laughs> Did you get that shampoo I sent you? <laughs> <laughs> it tingles. Yeah. Uh, so I've been wanting to watch some of these movies, and I said, oh, how can I shoehorn this into the podcast? And so I presented Anthony with a list. And I said, we're going to do these movies, see? You did. Yeah, you presented it in the alleyway. <laughs> the alleyway, my gangster alleyway. I was like, listen, see? <laughs> we're going to talk about these movies and you're going to like it. See? G- gangster fedora, gangster wig under the fedora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen up, palsy walsy. <laughs> so, anyway, that's why we're here today to do this. I am so excited. It's a remarkable list. When you presented the list, I said, I've been wanting to see all of these movies and talk about them. It's going to be fun. I'm excited about it because it's also just a little different from our usual content. So Besides, like, y'all, we have done, we have covered so many great horror movies. Like, I feel like just in the span of this year already. Yeah. And we've touched on, I mean, we've touched on, we've already addressed two of your, like, this is my next masterpiece goal classic to talk about. <laughs> like, we did Texas Chainsaw and The Thing already. Mm-hmm. And we Carnival saw, of Souls. Carnival of Souls. We saw a great new movie for once. We saw X. Like, we, we've been covering really good horror. So it's like, this also gives us a nice refresher time to, to catch up on some more horror that we want to cover in the future and save space for that, too. Not that we're at the point yet where it's like, well, I guess this week we talk about Dr. Giggles Part 4. <laughs> Still, <But> giggling. <laughs> Still giggling. <laughs> the re-giggling. The re-giggling. Um, yeah, no offense to the Dr. Giggles fans out there. Yeah. But I'm just saying... Yeah. So it, not it, that there it, are, but there are plenty of incredible films we have not yet discussed on the show. 
But then every now and then your brain starts to scrape that barrel, just like the chopping block. And that the scarcity economics mindset comes in. And then I literally, I found myself on the couch the other day being like, you know, is Hostel 2 something we should talk about on the show? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And then that's when I realized, okay, take a step back. Let's let's do some adjacents. Yeah. So, uh, adjacents. I'm super excited, like I said, for this little series. I'm super excited to kick it off with Martha, Marcy, May, Mama Moon, Moonbill. <laughs> <laughs> Marlene. <laughs> the, the full Canadian title. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I've been wanting you to see this for a long time. I've been wanting to watch it again. I love this movie. And I cannot believe this movie came out in 2011. I was not expecting that number when I saw it. Thank you. Same. And uh, I threw up out of my butthole and my soul <laughs> left my body when I saw that. I said, that's it. I'm done. How is this movie over 10 years old now? In my mind, in my in my mental palace, this film was like 2015. Mm-hmm. And that's as, say, being said as someone who hasn't ever seen it until last night. Um, but I'm like, you're telling me I've spent 11 years. Is that the math? I've spent 11 years trying to know how to say the title of this movie. I thought this movie was like a five-year-old. This movie is a tween. Yeah, yeah. This movie is like uh, uh, watching Jojo Siwa on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> did you see her new haircut? I was just going to ask you. Did you see she went butch? She went told she embraced the butch. I love she's, it. She's butch her. rainbow bright. She's butch rainbow bright. And then she didn't get invited to the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards. I saw that. Yeah. Homophobia is hitting her already. Mm-hmm. I love Jojo Siwa. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> never heard a, a note of any of her songs, and I don't care. Too. No, same. But I just love that she exists. Love that she exists. I love <laughs> that these children have a butch to look up to. <laughs> Literally a self-described lesbian with butch haircut. Yeah, good job. It gives you hope. Gives you hope. I believe so, the butches are our future. Th- that is the how the song went. So <laughs> this movie is as old as the JoJo Siwa demographic, which nuts. is absolutely nuts. Yeah. Uh, this is an Elizabeth Olsen of another time. This is an Elizabeth Olsen uh, of a time when you said, who the fuck is this? There's another Olsen? Like what in the birth of Rochester Hill? Like yeah. where, what attic <laughs> has this Olsen been in for the Birth-a- last... Rochester! <laughs> like... What attic was she in for the last 20 years? Because no one knew there was another Olsen. And then all of a sudden she appears and you're like, oh, there's another Olsen and she's an incredible actress. Okay. Isn't that so true? Yeah. There were jokes for so long about the third Olsen twin that they kept mangled up in in the attic. (laughs) And then it turns out that she was real and she's incredible. It's also really nice to get to see her in this when she was like not yet a Marvel. Right, I you know one thing I appreciate her about her in this movie, and I mean this in a very specific way, is I appreciate how unathletic she is. Yes, it's just very true. Like when you watch her run a few times in this movie or whatever, it's it's the sort of unathletic 
nature of a regular person, of not an actor. Do you know what I mean? When she jumps into the lake the first time, like it was just such an awkward jump. I loved it. When she's running through the woods at the very beginning of the film. It just it's 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 something that I don't think an actor can mimic. It is yeah. this is someone who has not done all of these actress things that actresses are quote supposed to do in terms yeah. of their bodies yeah she's fresh out of the attic yeah exactly <laughs> she got her bucket of fish heads <laughs> for a little snack <laughs> and that's it also in this movie is a <clears throat> this was her first uh real starring role <laughs> what I can't get over her with her bucket of fish heads. <laughs> like the penguin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, this movie's also the first role. I don't know if you spotted little baby Julia Garner. I did spot little baby Julia Garner. Another one of my absolute favorites who I think is going to be able to do amazing things and is already doing amazing things. Love that perm. Love that perm. I don't think it's a perm. I think it's a hair. It's just her natural tight little ringlets. Mm-hmm. She's a terrific actress. This movie is. is full of actressing. Oh, wow. And therefore, that is one reason why I love it. So, this, anyway. This movie is also profoundly unsettling. <laughs> Thank you, non-horror horror. I fully see what you were saying. In my, I don't know what I was expecting, but like, I wasn't expecting this. This is, this is like... We need to talk about Kevin level, but with cults. Like, what we need to talk about Kevin did for school shooting, non-binary Tilda Swinton, Ezra Miller families, this does with horrible, horrible cults and trauma. And it is so, so profoundly uncomfortable. Not uncomfortable. Tense, unsettling, nerve-wracking, constant what is going to happen. What is fucking going to happen? Just no, no relief at any point. It's so good. Oh, I like to hear you say this because that's how I felt about it the first time I saw it. As a Jason and I just kept, we would every time anything happened in any scene at any point in the film, we would just turn and look at each other, both horrified, (laughs) just like agony on our faces and then look back at the screen. It is such a good, um, such a well-constructed, smart, thoughtful, painful, uh, terrifying, almost it's as a, as a, a film, as an act of, um, as a sensorium, as an act of simulation, like this, it really effectively places you in the world of like trauma and fear that, that comes out of that, this, the, the sort of PTSD, like what, oh, this movie. I love that it is a movie about a cult or someone escaping a cult, but it doesn't have all of the hallmarks of what you think of when you think of a movie about a cult and someone escaping it. Yep. It is so firmly entrenched in her trauma and trying to adjust and the things that she went through, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, it doesn't devolve into like cartoonishness. Uh, it doesn't even really explain completely what the cult is about. Um, there's so much we don't know about her personal history, about the way the cult operates, all of this, and none of it matters. It's no. a mo- It's a big mood piece, 
Um, and the way it's constructed is, I think, super clever and shows you how the past is affecting the present, etc., etc. But it also is very subliminally disorienting for the viewer. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's like how, and I think when you're talking about that, you're speaking also to the use, the incorporation of flashbacks throughout the film and how like she will be having a conversation with Sarah Paulson, her sister, and then something that she says or something that is said to her instantly drops her into a flashback where we see a little bit of life on the, in the, on the cult farm and conversations will carry right over almost seamlessly from between those two different shots, even though those two shots are so removed in time and place and experience. Uh, so you get this really stream of, it was funny actually to follow Carnival of Souls with this um, because they're both really concerned with like this almost like sort of stream of consciousness, sort of experiential process just as it goes on. And that, 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 that device that they employ for that it just does such a perfect job of encapsulating that kind of, I think, I mean, one, I feel like Jamie Lee now talking about trauma, but like that, that the traumatic experience and not like the constant jumping back to the past and these flashbacks and how they inform the, the present and how it's, you can't escape this past. It's just, it, it does such a good job. Like it makes sense psychologically that they use this as a, as a device, but it also makes sense for the viewer and how you attain information. But it's also makes it all so much more maddening too, because at no point does anyone talk about what happened. Right. Yes, you see things, but in the, pre like, okay, so what happens? Martha. Right. Marcy May, Mama Moo, Moonbiol, Marlene. <laughs> LLC. LLC. Uh, at the beginning, she escapes from some kind of a commune place. She runs through the woods, basically. Like, just a short and sweet. If you haven't seen this movie, please watch this fucking movie. Just watch the movie. Just watch the movie. But she escapes. <laughs> she ends up uh, calling her sister, Sarah Paulson, who comes and picks her up and takes her to her Connecticut uh, vacation home that she shares with her asshole British husband. Mm -hmm. um, and you, there's some kind of... The sisters have a very politely contentious relationship. You find out that Martha has been gone for two years and her sister Lucy didn't know where she was, doesn't know what's happening. And basically it's Martha trying to readjust to life on the outside without giving anything away, without giving anything to her sister. It's her sister and her sister's husband trying to put up with Martha's weirdness. Mm -hmm. um, and then we... Uh, Martha becomes paranoid that the cult is founder. In a moment of weakness, she calls the commune. And oh. it, it seems that they immediately star 69 her ass. And so from then on, it's like, do they actually know where she is now? And are they coming back to get her through the rest of it? Um, eventually... They know about Star 69. She doesn't know about Star 67. <laughs> Girl. Girl. She was tired. Yeah, I know. Sorry, go on. She was tired. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so we, this is all, time jumps back and forth constantly, and we see some of Martha's life at the commune. Um, and eventually she spirals out enough that Lucy and her husband are fed up and have decided to take her to some kind of a psychiatric facility. 
And it ends with them driving her to the facility and they're being followed by a car. And we as viewers don't know if they know where she is, if she's just seeing some things, if it's her memory playing, if it's her paranoia playing tricks on her. We don't know. And it's just, like you said, it's so intense from start to finish. You never know what's going to happen. Um, I love, like we said, you said how a conversation in the present will tr- immediately trigger a memory or something. Sometimes there's a lag between things. Like I think about when Lucy has come back from the store with some smoothies or yes. some shakes or whatever. And she offers Martha a kale juice yeah. and Martha doesn't want the kale juice and takes the pineapple carrot or whatever the fuck instead and it's not until later that you find out what she is associating with that kale drink that that is that's the date rape drink that they give to all the girls at the commune which is led by patrick played by john hawks uh another favorite of mine i love john hawks great character actor um such a creep (laughs) such a creep such a little creep and we just see how this place operates, how it draws girls in, how the girls are gaslit and lied to, and just like how insidious it can be for someone to whittle away at your sense of self, your sense of self-esteem, anything you have left, in a way that seems like it's a good thing for you. Yeah. You're benefiting. When he rapes you, like you should feel honored that's a cleansing process for you oh god oh so disturbing oh that conversation with um oh whatever her name is the bully one the one that the the, the enforcer yeah (laughs) Yeah. as portrayed by maria zinnia who i know i know her name because i was trying to google what else i saw her in um that conversation where she's just she's just trying to like groom her and prep her for it and then afterwards how they how they talk with her about that exactly that that this is this is the best night of your life and this is she doesn't even have any memory of it because one i mean she was drugged but also she probably went out of her body for it oh my god it's just horrific and then later you see her when a newcomer sarah played by julia garner (laughs) arrives and martha who is then told to go by the name marcy may at that point uh that's the name given to her from by patrick Mm-hmm. Um, she is to take Sarah under her wing and guide her and groom her and give her her kale juice for her special night with Patrick. And it's just like, you just see this cycle continuing as new, new girls arrive at the commune and they are put through the process. And it's just, and all Martha tells her sister, her sister does eventually push like, what happened to you? Where were you? And all Martha tells her is, I had a boyfriend, he lied to me, and I left. Mm-hmm. That's all she will tell her. And what triggered Martha to leave, eventually? Um, the cult was starting to do some creepy-crawly Manson-esque shit. <laughs> uh, like, breaking into people's houses to steal food or steal things for money, because they do still need money. They're not completely self-sufficient. Um, and eventually they get caught by a homeowner and the homeowner ends up murdered and Martha can't deal with it. So she leaves. So like, that's the thing that he lied to her about. Yep. Was a death is beautiful. 
it's okay, death is just pure love because like when you die, it's all good, you know? And she's like, what? And then she leaves. Even her friend trying to work through it with her and being like, well, you know, he's still alive in a parallel like timeline. It's so demented. It's so demented. But that's that's the incident that uh, gets her out of the cult. Yeah. So. Which also immediately, I mean, one, we already are fearing for her because she is having recently escaped a cult. Uh, we see right away when she first gets out, oh, gets out um, she goes to a diner, and, like, you know, probably not too far from the compound. And somebody else shows up, one of the boys, who also is part of the cult, shows up, and he's kind of there to task with bringing her back, but he lets her go. So we know that they want her back. There's also the fear of, like, well, what if she goes back, too? What if she can't deal with stuff and she just returns to it? But then finding out that on top of all that, they're actively, like, she is an active threat to them. Because she could expose this, because she could go to the police, because any... I mean, the same reasons that they killed the homeowner, because he, they were worried he would call the police on them. So now that's added to the equation. On top of her trauma, on top of all this stuff, now there is also this threat of actual violence coming back to her and to her sister and to the sister's husband and the house. It, it's <laughs> so upsetting! It's like, it's like this filmmaker said, if you thought Streetcar Named Desire was fun... let's throw in nexium and some manson shit but this this is one of the few like cult movies that kind of deals with all of this stuff in a more realistic less cartoony way like plenty of plenty of cult stuff is actually cartoonish doesn't mean it's not awful and all of this but i mean like it does have this like the leaders are larger than life and it's just you as an outsider you look at it and it seems completely crazy you know but this movie really gets into the like i mean it's when we were deep in all the nexium shit right is that that's a question that people always have is like how do you get drawn into this and that's what some of the people who left nexium try to explain is like you know, it's the boiling a frog thing, right? You don't throw the frog into boiling water. You just gradually turn up the temperature. Mm. And so I think this movie does a really good job of showing that and showing how difficult it is to extricate yourself from that kind of situation. And not just physically, but also just mentally and like how to deal with it. And mm-hmm. who does this who does this girl have? <laughs> like, who does Martha have? I don't know. I hope things I mean, work out for Martha. Well, they're all gonna die. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she. I mean, she is very lucky in that she does have her sister. Um, right. But her sister. I mean, but the problem is they can't speak to each other. Her sister's trying. Her sister also is coming from a place of just the the mat. Oh, it's so maddening because the husband's such a piece of shit. Even though he's a hot twink. But he's such a piece of shit. Um, and he, he but th- both of them, the sister and her husband, are both responding from a place of, well, this is a person who just got out of a relationship with a shitty dude. And now she's acting fucking crazy. And we're feeding her and she's not grateful. And, blah, blah. and you can see it from both sides, as shitty as that is. It's also maddening because Martha genuinely has removed like she has all these memories that we see but there's also so many that i'm sure she has removed for the sake of protecting herself 
or that she can't access or there's things that she doesn't want to talk about because talking about them makes it real or creates more danger and so the fact that she can't share any of this oh yeah and well by the end of the movie when you finally see like what was the impetus for her leaving you realize like she talks about this she's going to be implicating herself in a murder Mm -hmm. also like even on just a the lesser self-preservation level. It's like she doesn't want to implicate herself in that. Yeah. But you wonder how things would have been different if she had been able to open up to her sister. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also like her holdover cult teachings uh, when she's still mimicking the language and the philosophies of the, the cult. I'm a leader and a teacher. I'm a leader and a teacher. Or when she shows up and Lucy's husband, Ted, who's an architect or something and has designed this vacation home and is so proud of it or whatever. And Martha comes in and immediately is like, this is this place is too big for two people. Yep. Why do you have this big house? So she just like completely shatters their sort of yuppie, upper middle class kind of comfortable, affluent life. Yep. So there's just antagonism right from the start. Never mind the history between Martha and Lucy that is only hinted at. And that's something that I kind of love about this movie is that it's like they don't get into the specifics of things. You get enough to understand the dynamic more, but we don't need necessarily all the details. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know that you know that um, their mother died. Uh, Marcy, Marnie, Marnie, went on to live with their aunt who was awful and Lucy was off at college and she was there's some blame over like them not being together over who knows what happened with the aunt who knows what circumstances of the mother's death but that's all you need to know and you can tell that it's fraught I just I love that the things are hinted at or talked around and all of this because it doesn't feel like a script you know what I mean? Where it's mm-hmm. like, when I was eight and you weren't there for me, when I did that, it's just like, they don't speak to each other the way movie character sisters sometimes yeah. engage in conversation. It's like, this is what people do. They will leave things out. They will not talk about the very obvious thing. Even at the end where these two come the closest they do to apologizing to each other after a big blowout, which is so fucking uncomfortable. Um... Lucy says, I think we both said some things last night that we didn't mean. And Martha just says, yeah. And that's it. Lucy goes back to raking. Yeah, there isn't some big, like, oh, like a breakthrough moment. Like, that's not how people really necessarily operate. But as a viewer who has a little bit of awareness of what's happening between these two characters, and you're saying, I can fix you! And you're driven nuts because... Right before they have that blow, or right before that blowout, which leads to that somewhat recognition of apology or an attempt towards coming together or just brushing it over, right before that, like what what instigates this whole meltdown, this climactic meltdown at the house, it's like Marcy's asleep on the couch, or Martha, uh, architect twink brushes his hand like on her leg because he also has some weird kind of relationship with her there's weird vibes that are happening brushes his hand past her she immediately is triggered and thinks it's a member from the cult she runs up the stairs he runs after her. she kicks him in the face down the stairs which is great gets into a huge fight right when 
Martha is crying and like asking, she's saying she doesn't want to be alone and, or she can't be alone. And she's talking to her sister about that. And you see her trying to prepare herself to get the strength to tell her what she needs to tell her. And instead she just says, you're going to be a bad mother. You're going to be a terrible mother. You're going to be a terrible mother. Oh, she just, instead, instead of actually exposing whatever vulnerability and trying to open up, she just immediately strikes back instead and cuts for the gut. And it is so, (laughs) it's deep cut. (laughs) So deep. It is so realistic and lifelike and enraging. It really is. It really, because through this whole thing, you're like, just tell your sister. Like, yeah, maybe you and your sister don't get along, but it's like, but you're safe now. Tell her so that you can get help. Yeah. It's, but it just, like, that's part of what adds to the tension of this movie is just waiting for the truth to get out there. Because you think, hopefully, like, as a viewer, you think there's some kind of safety in her telling the truth. Like, if she tells them, then they can help protect her from these people who might be coming after her. Because we don't know if they're coming after her or not, really. So we don't know if she's seeing things and hearing things. Like when you wake up and you hear a noise in the night, it's like, was there a noise or was I dreaming? She even says herself, like, how do you know? Have you ever uh, had trouble telling if you were dreaming something or remembering something or Mm -hmm. whatever? So I just, I love the way this movie is constructed. I love movies that don't hold my hand in a way that is, leaves me satisfied it's enticing, but I end up satisfied in the end. I love it. Oh, that fucking ending. I screamed. <laughs> I just started screaming. And we were like, that's how this ends? That's the ending? <laughs> it's, I love that this like I, I love that this movie is... There are so many movies with unreliable narrators and what's reality, what's, you know, blah, blah, something like repulsion. Like, what's really happening? Like, you know, like, this is a time-worn kind of thing. But this movie is one of the best, I feel, at playing things so neutrally and ambiguously that we don't know what's happening. Yeah. That guy at the end, they're like, you know, they're driving and the camera is on Ugh. Martha in the back seat. She's in the center back seat. The camera stays fixed on her and the car stops. And apparently some guy was in the road and, you know, and Ted and Lucy are like, what was that guy doing? I don't know. He just came out of nowhere. And then we see him. He's blurry. We see him through the back windshield of the, of the car run to his car get in it and start following them and then like the movie ends and so it's like it could have been a guy who like was on the side of the road going to the bathroom and came out at the wrong time do you know what i mean it could be a completely innocuous thing and we don't know it could be like when martha was was had her her brief attempt at a coming out party and she goes, she's introduced to some of Sarah Paulson's friends. She just walks right past them. She walks over to the bartender. She's going to get a drink. Then she is triggered or has some momentary freak out and is saying that this bartender was from the cult. But he, as far as we know, he's not. So it's like, well, was he a scout or was she just paranoid? Because there's a lot of paranoia in this film, too. Justify, justified paranoia, but like... Was this just, was that just uh, her freaking out for no reason necessarily, except because she is constantly on edge now after that phone call. Just like right before we see that car or we see that, that final shot of the guy in the car, she's swimming and she sees someone sitting across the lake, just staring at her. 
And then she's in that car. We see that person clearly watching them as he gets and runs into his car. And then we just watch her face as she keeps trying to look back and starts freaking out. And she knows what's about to happen. But she doesn't say anything still. She doesn't say speed up. She doesn't say watch out. She doesn't say, hey, this guy's after us. She just continues to be silent. And then it just cuts to black as he gets like right up against them. (laughs) And Anthony starts screaming. I started screaming (laughs) the whole movie. I was waiting for a home invasion. Yeah, well, like early-ish on, she's in bed and she hears these noises on the roof. Right? And we're like, okay, what what is that? She asked her sister. Her sister's like, I don't know. I didn't hear anything. Maybe it's pine cones. And then later, when we get flashbacks to the few cult members doing their creepy crawly shit, and you see that what they would do is throw rocks at the house to see, see if they could entice an owner out to see if there's anybody home. And so then you're thinking back and you're like, oh my God, were they throwing rocks on her roof? Yeah. You know, to like get her attention to let her know that they were there. Like all so it just does such a great job of keeping you completely on the edge of your seat. Well, and it doesn't help that with the seamlessness of the editing and the narrative and the the time jumps and the flashbacks, it doesn't help that any time Martha Marcy May Marlene lays her head down to sleep, then suddenly we hear those rocks and then suddenly we see a shot from inside of what looks like their own lake house because they were breaking into all these other lake houses around the place and they're only three hours away. And so you're thinking, oh wait, is this their kitchen that we're seeing? Is this the present right now? Oh wait, no, that's Marcy breaking into the, somebody else's house. But when that keeps happening and it keeps building up, you and then it really feels like that last shot, it feels like there's still 20 minutes left of the movie. And this is about to be a confrontation, and we're finally going to have some kind of climax. We're finally going to have some kind of uh, recognition or battle or confrontation. Something is going to happen. And then it just says, directed by this guy who hates you. Right? And you go, no! Oh, it's so intense. It's so fucking intense. It's so good. Elizabeth Olsen is stunning. Right? Absolutely stunning. We all know she's amazing. But when you see somebody like that right out of the fucking gate, and you're like, all right, now she's WandaVision, which I know people like, but it's just like, (laughs) I don't know. Recently, (laughs) I discovered I have a new mortal enemy. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and my new mortal enemy is the biopic. Yeah, And I just feel like our two choices at the cinema or our two choices uh, in award season, which who cares about awards? But I mean, it's like we have Marvel movies and we have biopics and that's it. Yep. Anyway, that's another and whatever. People enjoy the Marvel films and that's great. <laughs> but also when it's like all like almost all of our finest actresses, I just feel like can't we do more for them? Oh, for when, real. When you see something like this, when you you have your Cape Blanchett, who is rapidly entering Meryl Streep territory, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, she's going full troll. Uh, and it's like, that's Cape Blanchett. And now she's the bad guy in Marvel. And now she's in a Borderlands movie. And now she, it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> What's that? Like... Kate Blanchett is playing the Geico Gecko. (laughs) Oh, who's the caveman now? You know, it's just like, 
I don't know. Like, can't we? And granted, there are still obviously great films being made on smaller scales, but it's just kind of like, I don't know. You just watch something like this and you're like, God damn. You know, what could she be doing? I know. I know. That's, I will say, having watched WandaVision, <laughs> it's one of the only Marvel things I've seen. Um, I watched it, obviously, for her and Catherine Hahn, who is also fucking amazing and so above that. Uh, I'm so happy that they get to act in it and they get to actually do some weird stuff. The show, be- I got disappointed because the show does become just another Marvel thing and it's ultimately a- all a tie-in to the next Marvel movie. Um, but it, it, she gets to be weird and gets to do weird things and gets to act and portray grief. But I don't think they get to do that in literally any other Marvel property. And I think she only gets to do that because they recognize what an incredible actor they have on their hands. But it's like, Jesus Christ, can't she, can't she just keep doing things like this? Instead of, she waves her hands. (laughs) Red fog comes out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, granted, actors have done this kind of thing all through time. Like, when they've had to or when they just want a fucking paycheck or whatever. It's like, yeah, I want to go back to the 70s, like, when actors could do shit and movies were made for adults and like etc etc but then you know like okay so she won an oscar for network and then how many years later eight years later she was in supergirl 3 faye dunaway or supergirl you know what i mean it's just like these things happen and that's fine but i just i don't know i just i don't know it's depressing it's depressing it's depressing because marvel is (laughs) it's its own specific thing that is separate from what i want in movies <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the nicest way i can put it and then it just feels like well if they're not doing marvel like oh what's elizabeth olsen doing now oh she's gonna be starring as uh, martha stewart <laughs> in martha like okay well i guess she'll you know i guess she'll get an oscar for it but it's like look at all the nominated performances like so and so as so and so it's like can we not watch a fucking documentary anymore yeah no i'm thinking about it now that you're saying it and it's all it's also all on tv you're playing it's 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 amanda seyfried as elizabeth holmes yeah in the dropout it's I don't need to watch 12 episodes of The Dropout. I watched the Elizabeth Holmes documentary. I was in and out in 90 minutes, and I know all I need to know. You will believe she can lower her voice an octave. <laughs> like, that's great. Why do we need a Tiger King series? Why there do we need a Tiger King There was just a Tiger King, King show. There were like, two I, of them. Yeah, I just... Do we need uh, a non-consensual Pam and Tommy about non-consensual behavior? Uh everything and so i just i don't know i just treasure the fucking mayor of east town or whatever like things that are like well at least it's just a person and actors get to act and instead of just like i studied 1200 hours of elizabeth holmes youtube clips and then i imitated it it's like everybody's turning into the police academy man it's it's the andy kaufmaning the jim carrey as andy kaufmaning 100 percent I just, it's like, oh, why is every, everything has turned into chin putty and a wig? And you know how hard it is for me to say anything against chin putty and a wig. It's like, that's your, that's, that, I, that's, 
the the sole contents of your altar. <laughs> but I want it. And it's part of a scheme, not so that you know uh, Meryl Streep can look like I don't know. Oh well, she looks like Alexander Skarsgård. She got those right. the flipper in Big Little Lies <laughs> yeah. so that she could look like Alexander Skarsgård. Exactly. That's what I want. I want the chin putty and the wig for schemes. Play a detective who has to use these things. Play, so it, like a jumping jack flash. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're Robin from Real Housewives of Potomac and you have Thank to you. deliver a pizza to find out whether or not Karen Huger actually lives at the house that she claims she lives at. Thank you. Which she's renting, by the way. <laughs> then put on the chin putty and the wig and the fake mustache and the pizza boy outfit. Thank you. And give Anthony strange feelings. <laughs> Robin's hot. Robin's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Those arms. Yeah. She's okay. Yeah. Anyway, um anyway. So, <laughs> the truth comes out. So uh, that's but as a scheme to get nominated for an Oscar to get your golden globe thing. Put away the flippers, put away the 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 blaster of Paris. Watching this, I say how nice to see Sarah Paulson uh, in something where, like, oh, she only has one head. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she only has... literally true. <laughs> like, she only has one head. She doesn't have Marsha Clark's hair. Like, it's just like... This is not in a, in a, in a Linda Tripp fat suit. Right. Wow! Honestly. Wow! I mean, she is. She has become. You've said this. She's become Ryan Murphy's um clumps, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is sad because she really is a brilliant actor. The clumps is a prime example of using chin putty and wigs for good. <laughs> All for good. <laughs> yes. Okay. When are we doing gangster piece? The clumps. <laughs> Listen, Eddie Murphy has all of them. Is fine by me. This is a good use of the chin putting. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> you know what? That line should be in the Smithsonian. It's a classic. It really is. It's a classic. Who doesn't love seeing... You will believe that there are eight Eddie Murphys and they're all clumps. <laughs> That's right. He's not trying to win any Oscars. Thank you. Okay. But, like, but he would have if the clumps were real people. So where do you, when did this insidious beast first rear its head? Like, was this the, was this the, the Andy Kaufman inning? Was it the Meryl Streep inning? Was it the Charlize inning? Because, I mean. Wasn't it, wait, well, I think once the word brave got thrown around for, oh my God. If you take chin putty and put it on this beautiful woman and she looks Ugly. Oh my god, this beautiful woman's pretending to be ugly. <laughs> let's, so give her a, let's give her a statue. If it's something that is a story, I think about, like, Boys Don't Cry. A story that, I don't know, to me that feels more uh, useful as a biopic. It's not a super biopic anyway. It's like, that's more of a crime. You know what I mean? There's a difference to me. Rather well, than and that, like, that, was a, that was a story that needed to be told it that's the thing it needs to be told do we need the elizabeth olsen no i mean not uh, elizabeth holmes story told right now 
when there are there's a documentary that just came out like a year ago. Exactly. You know. I mean, it was it was very similar when I watched Escaping the Nexium Cult on Netflix, starring <laughs> Peter Fascinelli in a very brave portrayal of Keith Raniere. Uh, <laughs> it was it was the absolute like hallmark B level D D level version of it, which I was like, give me this. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't mind a lifetime biopic. Oh, Lindsay Lohan as Elizabeth Taylor. Sign me up, right? Like, give me Liz and Dick. Like, that's fine with me. But, I mean, when the Oscars, when it's like, you know, 4.5 of the five nominated performances are for biopics, it's just like, what the fuck, man? I still think, I mean, I think Charlize was absolutely incredible and monster. Um, Yeah, she was. And it was, it's brilliant. But I do think that kind of created that, it created a standard what would become a standard by which everybody else would try to achieve glory. <laughs> so now it is just a clumping. There's a difference. There's a difference between Meryl Streep in A Cry in the Dark, where she plays, I forget the poor woman's name, but you know, the did go ate my baby. Yeah. There's a difference between that and her as fucking Julia Child. And then the next year as Florence Foster Jenkins, Foster Jenkins, Marthy May Marlene. <laughs> Just, just going. Boo, 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 boo. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, it's just become like a okay. So they stopped at Spirit Halloween, and it's like it becomes more about the act of seeing this person in their getup portraying this person that we all already know. Yeah. It well, becomes then, like it becomes a segment on America's Got Talent or something, or a Saturday Night Live skit versus a story that needs to be told. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, there, one could put forth an anthropological study on comparing these roles to the the SNL skits of oh, well, which actor now is going to play which member of the Trump cabinet, which haunted us for the last six years or whatever. Oh, I don't know. I just love to complain. I feel like the regular old adult drama is not i mean mean, like who am i to say this is clearly not dominating the box office because it's not what the people want but this people wants it (laughs) and this people's spreading it around (laughs) you either had it you either have it or you've had it that's right in this case we have had it do we want nicole kidman in lucy land or do we want nicole kidman in to die for you know what i mean Mm-hmm. This is what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah, in a way we want both because it's Nicole Kidman, but I mean, I don't know. And it's not to say that we are always against the putty. because We're pro-putty, often. <laughs> because look at Nicole Kidman in Destroyer. Absolutely. When she gets the grizzled putty. The grizzled putty is incredibly jarring. Everybody just saw that picture of her from Destroyer and was like, what? And I tell you... You tune into that movie, and for a while, you're like, what? Because it's, it's just, it's Nicole Kidman, but it's like Nicole Kidman, somebody popped her in the microwave for 20 seconds. And everything, <laughs> everything is just off enough that it's Nicole just... Kidman, if she was a real person. <laughs> it's like, this is not what my mind constructs when I think Nicole Kidman, but it's close enough that it's super jarring. Anyway, the point is Destroyer is actually a pretty great film and she's pretty incredible in that movie and you do get used to the grizzle putty. She gets to fully inhabit a role 
that we aren't already bringing our own associations and assumptions and expectations to. Yes. So the point of all that was Elizabeth Olsen is really great in this movie. She's so good. <laughs> she, and puttyless. And puttyless. Thank you. Everybody's great in this movie. It's a great oh, movie. Yeah. Great movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad it bothered you. I thank you. I um, wish I could say the same. <laughs> <laughs> I truly loved it. It was, it was a stunning, vastly upsetting, very uncomfortable, confrontational, confrontational despite any no the, the presence of no confrontation in the film. That's not true. Confrontational, celebrational, confrontational. This is what we call Martha Marcy Pay Marley. Wouldn't it be great if that's the, it ends? It goes to black, and then you hear that, and then we're up in the balcony, <laughs> yelling about it. <laughs> <laughs> Martha Marcy May, Mama Moon, Moon Beal, Marlene. Oh, <laughs> you can book us. You can yeah, book us yeah, to absolutely. all of your screenings, events, <laughs> test screenings. If you want to see how your movie does, we will. We just need a a, a balcony, a balcony, and a sound cue, yeah. <laughs> and puppet sticks. Uh, wow. Well, what a way to kick off adjacent week, month, <laughs> horror, not horror. <laughs> Yeah, this 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 uh, time. Yeah, I'm real excited. I'm real unsettled. I'm real nervous. <laughs> yeah, it, it turns out these movies can be more upsetting than horror, which actually can be a place of comfort mm. for the horror fans, right? Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes we go to horror because we find joy in it, <laughs> but mm-hmm. this is like, well, what if you took out all the things you love about horror and just focused on the unsettling pain? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh boy. You don't Can't get that wait. you don't get the catharsis of somebody poking someone's eyes out or whatever, you know. Imagine had had the cult come to the house and then by some twist of fate, Martha Marcy May Marlene just pokes out John Hawk's eyes. Mm-hmm. How satisfying, but it wouldn't be this movie. Save it for Hostile Four, honey. <laughs> Save it for Hostile Four. <laughs> Directed by Kate Blanchett. <laughs> wow. Um, Stacy. With all of that said, are you ready to run out into the woods, into the nearest payphone, and place your head on the chopping block? Um, running doesn't sound appealing. Can I log roll my way to the phone? <laughs> yeah, reenact the scene from the Wrong Turn remake. Yeah. Roll through the woods towards the nearest homosexual. <laughs> that okay, that I'm on board. <laughs> Here I come, Andy. Our movie's equitable. We killed a gay person in the first five minutes. <laughs> Oh, is that what the cool, that's what cool kids call it? Yeah, they call her the block. Yeah, She's man. Ginny. Ginny on the block. <laughs> Our J-Lo inspired uh, 
question and answer game here on Gaylord's Darkness, in which we present each other with three categories of horror trivia and no other kind of trivia. Um, <laughs> we have five questions to answer within our category that we choose. We have ten seconds to answer each individual question unless one of us calls out, I want the wig, in which case, Julia Garner's hair fresh from her head magically descends <laughs> upon your 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 skull and confuses the our non-binary executioner the heads they who says such such close confined ringlets of hair <laughs> and and then um you get an extra 10 seconds just for that question that one time if you win you win if you die you're dead and that you don't get any more questions shame on you no no shame no shame here it happens to all of us death is an inevitable end it's beautiful man it's just like another state of being you know it's another state it's a parallel time yeah you know it's, it's death um, is love it's death is love death is love so jesus christ <laughs> he was a real jerk this is the thing i know uh, I know that it's a gra- I know the frog boiling thing. Ew, sad. I know it's a gradual thing. I know that it happens to anybody. But I'm like, what if you just don't like men that say inspirational things? Well, these things tend to be very heterosexual, first of all. Yeah, you have to be predisposed to one being open to listening to a man. You, in a lot of these situations, <laughs> you have to have a certain... Uh, level of money mm-hmm. yeah i can't imagine myself being like listening to these people i just i kept thinking of you honestly <laughs> I, kept, <laughs> I kept imagining somebody coming up to like some man coming up to you and saying something like emotionally like inspirational or you know in that that kind of and then just imagining you just rolling your eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i i think stacy could be cult proof <laughs> <laughs> In that way. It's, well, it depends on who's saying these things. I don't want to give, I don't want to pop my collar too much. You know what I mean? It's true. If you came up and was like, I think you're a damaged person and I'm someone who understands you, I'd be like, you're right. <laughs> she walks up to your convenience store with that lunch ready to go. And yeah. bag. <laughs> yes. You know, I might fall for it, but I'm just, I don't know. But it, it was interesting early in the proceedings when he, when Patrick is saying to Martha, like, you, you know, you've been neglected your whole life and you're basically a damaged person and blah, blah. And you see her kind of be like, huh? Mm-hmm. But then they just whittle away at it. And it's not just him. It's all these other women who have befriended you or you knew. I mean, she had a friend who got her into the cult. Yeah, it's the sense of community and family around that. And when everybody is telling you something, it's like eventually you're going to start thinking that you're wrong for feeling differently. Yep. Yep. So I don't know. But I mean, if a man uh, played acoustic guitar at me. I, oh, just, I personally am not. Uh, no, thanks. That's when you immediately turn and run into the forest. <laughs> yeah. Just, Anytime a man pulls just, out an acoustic guitar. I just immediately start log rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Stacy, we're at a concert. I know. I don't care. <laughs> You're rolling just up steam the stadium rolling, seats. Steam rolling all kinds of people. <laughs> oh, I would love to see the drone shot. Ooh. Anyway. Right. Who's on first? I think I ask you 
No, you ask me first. I asked you first last week. Oh, well done. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I, I think you are absolutely right. Um, okay, in that case, Stacy, I have, in honor of non-adjacent, adjacent, non-horror, horror adjacent, week, month, week, month, month, I have three categories of all adjacent trivia to throw <laughs> Motherfucker. I'm just kidding. That's not oh. true. No, it's even better. I you have three. Me. I have three old categories. Fuck yeah, you do. You. Wow, because you fooled me. I fooled you. I'm. Just, I You're just, a fooler. How could, I, how could I not? How could I not I do that after I heard Baby Girl talking about that gerrymandering? That's <laughs> <laughs> right. So. We have three old categories because I gotta get rid of this shit, man. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta open up the. I'm, I'm Tisa Farrow, and I'm open. I'm in the initiation of Sarah coming out soon, an Arrow Blu-ray featuring Gaylord's Darkness special feature, and I'm opening up my closets and my my Satanic Chapel, and I'm airing this place out, getting rid of these old categories. That's right. So your three old categories, category coming back from last week. Category one is, wait, so I'm dead, which is uh, horror movies where characters have been dead the whole time, like Carnival of Souls, but these questions and films are described to you in only four words. You just tell me what the movie is. Your second category, returning old category, is also known as, which are horror films released with alternate titles. I give you an alternate title, the year, and the keyword for the movie so if I said Communion, 1976, Yellow Raincoat, you would say Alice, Sweet Alice. Yeah, I sure would. Because you knew what that movie Because I knew that, yeah, because I knew that one. Because you knew your shit. Uh, your third returning old category is those Royal Richardses. Now oh. this is all about the most powerful and important sibling screen <laughs> duo since Ann Landers and Dear Abby. So that's it. <laughs> Didn't I do that one already? Wait, did you? I thought I did. Maybe not. I thought. Oh I fuck! No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, I was gonna pick the first category anyway. So. God damn it! Well, I can give you a third category. Look at this! I didn't even. I I went so old that I chose something you'd already done. This is the perils of the chopping block. This is. Oh. It's just like the movie we watched today. What's the past? What's the present? One thing leads to another. Where am I? Who am I? <laughs> Good night. <laughs> so the first one, the, oh, I'm dead. Wait, so I'm dead? Yeah. Okay, great. Let's do it. Let me get my timer. Because it's a question I ask myself almost every day. I can attest to this. This is true. <laughs> So these are all, I give you four words. Sometimes they're a sentence. Sometimes they're just four key terms. But I give you four words in total that speak to a film in which the character or characters might have been dead the whole time and or dying. And you tell me what the film is. I see dead people. The sixth sense. Question one. (laughs) I see dead people. Ding, 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 ding! Yay! I got one! Ooh, that was exciting. 
No one expected the six cents. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> yeah, me too. Number two. Spiritualists. Sun allergy. Kidman. Oh, the uh, Tothers. Tothers, <laughs> as it was known. As it was known uh, early on. Yeah, and the, to the Cockney people. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, that's Tothers, dear. Tothers. Have you seen Tothers? The children are dead. They were dead the whole time, they was. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I filled me bloomers in surprise. The movie ends and this Cockney woman appears on screen next to the credits and talks to you about her feelings about it as it happens. She's sweeping the floor. Oh, my God, did you see that coming? <laughs> did you see that? They was dead the whole time. <laughs> I would pay for that. You don't even need, you don't, I, as much as I love Maria Menounos, you don't even need her in the, the pre-show before the movie. You just put Cockney Woman in the credits to talk about the film with you. Cockney Floor Sweeper. <laughs> love her. Love her. What'd you think about the others? Have you seen that? You've seen that. I saw it once and I enjoyed it, but people are constantly jizzing all over it. So I feel like I need to see it again, even though I know I, the twist. It might be one that I have to do down the line just because I haven't seen it for like 20 years and I remember loving it, but it, it's been a long time. But it also, that was the first time I saw Fionnula Flanagan and I love her. Um, okay. Number three, drug experiments, Vietnam flashbacks. Oh, uh, Jacob's Ladder? Ding, 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 ding! (gasps) Well done! Number four, forgive me for this one. Number four. Oh, no. Two girls, one wardrobe. (laughs) Oh, Taylor (laughs) Two Sisters! Yup, ding, 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 ding! Well done, well done. (laughs) Aren't you clever? Thank you, I thought so. So did the Cockney woman in my head. Number five. If she was the sister and the stepmother, she was. <laughs> Could you believe I couldn't me? believe it. <laughs> I thought it was a ghost coming out of that cupboard. <laughs> oh, pass me a hobnob. <laughs> Love hobnobs. Love them. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Number five for all the money. <laughs> and the American remake. Think of the last question. Now, the uninvited. Ding, 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 ding! Oh, wow. Good job. Oh, thanks. You're a winner. I am. I am a winner. That's four words. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. You're dead. (laughs) Dead. Actually, it would explain a lot. It really would. (laughs) Don't you think? If I died, like, before I was born... That would make the most sense somehow. Wait, if you died before you were born? <laughs> if I was like, actually, yeah. Oh, and all of this, all of this has been just like a dying hallucination. Is this a pro-life film? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Starring Kevin Sorbo as Stacey Ponder. <laughs> Her three avatars briefcase woman. <laughs> 
cubicle perm in Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> Yeah. Television Hercules. Boy, he's typecast. <laughs> anyway. Kevin Sorbo's playing a dyke again. Again? <laughs> Ugh, God. Kevin Sorbo is Villanelle. <laughs> <laughs> Jojo Siwa. Yeah. <laughs> In the Jojo Siwa biopic. 12-part miniseries coming to Hulu. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's your turn to place your head on the chopping block, which is clean and free of germs. It is. So fresh, so clean. Yeah. Well, you have three categories to choose from, Anthony. They're Mm. all old because, like you, I'm trying to clear clear out the attic. You know what I mean? Look at us. Look at us. However, one of these categories you have done before, so one of them is refreshed. Oh, thank you. The other two, however, are moldy and dusty and desiccated. Uh, your first moldy, dusty, desiccated category is Blathy's Blurs. <laughs> <laughs> Take all my money. Which is all about possession films that uh, came in the wake of The Exorcist there. Some of them are really super-duper Exorcist ripoffs. Some of them just came in the wake of The Exorcist. Beautiful. But it's all your mid-to-late-70s possession films. Beautiful. Category two. What a wonderful year. This, <laughs> this, one, this one is uh, the refreshed category. You've done this one before. I give you the titles of three films. You tell me the year all three films came out. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And your third old-ass category is name where that tune came from. In this category, I give you the title of a track from a horror movie score. You tell me the horror movie from whence the track hails. Now, these... These track titles point to the movies. You know what I mean? <clears throat> it's not just like hair. You'd be like, that could be any movie practically, except for powder. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, Blathy's Blurs, What a Wonderful Year, and <laughs> name where that tune came from. I love this. Um, I... Uh, so there must no, there's no singing of the songs. It's just the titles. No, mo- they are uh, musical songs. You don't go. They're, do, do, they're instrumental. What song am I? No, <laughs> no. I just give you the title of it. I'm sorry. I'm not that talented. That is great, though. You are that talented. I remember one Phantom of the Opera musical <laughs> original <laughs> soundtrack cast recording that happened on this show. Um, okay, um, I want the middle one. I want the, I want the Jan Brady. Oh, what a wonderful year. Yes, yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you. I was trying to figure out how that title connected to Jan Brady, and then I got it. Took me a middle second. Middle child. Okay, so I give you th- titles of three horror movies. You tell me the year they all came out. They all came out in the same year. Can you believe it? Wow, who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? Okay, here we go. Okay. Number one, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, Fright Night, and The Thing. 
Wait. Really? Oh, the new ones! 2011! Yes, ding, ding, ding. You were a little bit over, but I'm going to give it to you because I'm feeling magnanimous because all I've done is complain this whole show and you listened to it. (laughs) Yes, 2011. See, I tricked you, didn't I? That's how you tricked me was because they were the new ones. That's right. Because I said, well, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark was like 80, 70-something. Yeah. Friday Night was 85. And the thing was 82. And I was like, none of these things add up. And then I realized she is one-overing me. That's right. I was trying to fool you, but you got it. Well, thank you for the extra time. That's a, a horrible bending of the rules, but I appreciate it. You know it. what? Sometimes it ha- I told you, the Gaylords exist outside of time. Okay. Number two. <laughs> this is true. Blood Diner, Creep Show 2, Hello Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Oh. Oh. I'm going to say 87. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Oh. Oh. Really? Ding-a-ding-a-ding-ding-ding. Oh, God. Okay, number three. Jaws. Deep Red. Picnic at Hanging Rock. Uh, 1975. Yes, ding-ding-ding. Got that one right away. I knew that because I was writing a synopsis for a screening, and I referenced the year uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock in that synopsis, so I knew that because I did that yesterday. Oh, well, all right. Number four, look at you. Go, go, go. Final Destination 2, House of a Thousand Corpses, A Tale of Two Sisters. Yes! Wowee! I'm impressed. Final one for all the prizes. Psycho, Whispering Corridors, The Faculty. 1998. Yes! Oh! 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 (laughs) You did it! Look at you! Wow! How do I know that shit? Granted, I shouldn't have made it past question one. Well, true. But you did it! (laughs) (laughs) But once I did it, I did it! Yeah! Oh, wow! I feel like despite not earning it, I earned that one. You did. I'm impressed. Thank you. I am too. I'm I'm actually more just shocked and stunned. And, yeah. Um, speechless. I would like to thank everyone who has accompanied me on this journey. Now I'm retiring. Oh. Going into retirement. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I'm stepping okay. back from the spotlight. No, that's good because then I don't have to think of any questions next week. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Uh, Whispering Corridors. Anyway, so uh, here we are in the midst of uh, one of our Sweeps Week schemes. It's chimpotty everywhere. Yeah, I was going to say. So we're going to have another uh, Jason next week or a non-horror horror. How do you, uh, what do you think about that? How do you like those apples? scared. Oh, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Settled. Uh, in the meantime, you know, GaylordsOfDarkness.com has all of our stuffs. Uh, you can, if you leave a review for us on iTunes or something, that would be great. 
Oh my god, that would be so wonderful. And you know, while we address that, may I please recite my favorite review that we've ever received? <laughs> yeah, I think I feel like I might know which one. We we recently it, it you, listen, y'all. I'm not holding anybody accountable. Like we have two, over 200 ratings, and they're all really kind. I love um, it. It's really nice of you all. You know, if you just go on the iTunes podcast app or whatever, and you just click the star rating, and then you you can leave a comment or write a review if you want. It um, helps us be seen. This is what they say, is that reviews and uh, even just the star review or whatever without writing one, but the written reviews also, like, it does help the, the actual podcast, right? It does. It does. And it helps, like, because everything's algorithm. Yeah, you know, visibility. Visibility. Representation matters. Yeah. So if you go on here and you can do that, but then you can also see, because it's been, like, it has been a while since we had one, but then on March 16th, the user Abominominus left this review. <laughs> a five-star review. The subject is just love. And then the only contents of the review is Mama Moo. Oh. <laughs> it's so good. It's the most beautiful of all of our daughters. <laughs> and this per- you user Abominominus, you clearly see us and we feel, we feel seen. Absolutely. So thank you. That that's all we're asking for, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can do that. Otherwise, we'll be back next week with another adjacent non-horror horror movie, and I'm excited. I can't. Um, I can't. Can't wait. Yay! We will see you then. Well, you know what I mean. That's a figure of speech. Okay. For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! God. Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Ha, ha, ha.